Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market... You need only look in one place, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up North Lamar blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening. So get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Hugh Freeze, former Ole Miss head football coach, now the head coach at Liberty. This was Colin's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to take this one. I'm actually glad we did it, really. Yeah, man, enough time's passed. I think people still have a relative interest in Hugh Freeze for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, look, I haven't listened to the interview, uh, full disclosure, but I'm, I'm sure Hugh – look, Hugh's always been a really good public speaker. Um, so I'm sure it went fine. I asked him directly about what happened in the one-on-one interview with Mike Sheridan, among other topics, Ooh. and that's coming up in just a little bit on the Modern Women phone line. No sports to cover because sports are gone. Some Ole Miss news, Franco Miller transferred. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, some Ole Miss baseball – as we continue to mourn the loss of Ole Miss baseball. They were supposed to play a weekend series against LSU. Didn't happen because of coronavirus. And so here we are looking forward. And if we don't get Ole Miss baseball back, Colin, Major League Baseball might not start till May, June. And then the draft's in June. Who's Ole Miss going to lose? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting question. The NCAA ruled on Friday that everybody that was playing spring sports retains their year of eligibility. So, for example, Tyler Keenan still a junior, Anthony Cervillo still a junior, Peyton Shatton, yeah, he's a freshman. Um, so those juniors have leverage uh, to come back. They're not going to lose a year. And then you even look at it, seniors have leverage, Ben. Uh, you look at a guy like Taylor Broadway, he could come back and play if he wants to. Now, I think because of that, he's going to be a top 10-round draft pick. He's a guy that's 91 to 93. Uh, has a pretty good slaughter. Uh, I think he's a guy that that's selected and somebody gives him $150,000 and he's goes, he goes pro. I expect a guy like Austin Miller. Look, I don't know the, the I don't know every intricate detail about these guys lives, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that's drafted overly high. I think he's a guy that comes back. Um, Gerholston is certainly probably coming back. Um, Tyler Myers is obviously back. That was the plan from, you know, the time he had Tommy John surgery. And then you look at guys like Servideo and Keenan. I think every other junior is back. I don't think anybody else has really jumped a, dra- a draft stock to be drafted that high. You look at a guy like Servideo, can he play his way into the first round? Um, I don't think he's a first rounder if they had the draft today, but could he play his way into the first round? If so, I mean, you're not losing any leverage to come back. Um, I don't know what Keenan's ceiling is. I'm not that good. I'm not a good scout. Um, I think he's probably gone, all things considered. But yeah, you've got a lot of different dynamics from a draft perspective for sure. A lot of ground to cover. Hugh Freeze coming up in this edition of Talk of Champions. But first, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around. 
and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at solaoxfordms on all platforms. Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. Servideo's case is really interesting. That changes the game, him coming back as a junior. I think Anthony wants to go pro and he will go pro but it changes the game for a Kale Baker and for Hayden Leatherwood to where they didn't have leverage. They have the leverage now. And same thing with Taylor Broadway. Now you can actually use that leverage as negotiating leverage and he'll get his contract. But a Kale Baker, Hayden Leatherwood, if you'd have gotten drafted at any point, you probably would have gone as a junior. But now that you get another junior year, I'm curious as to what it will do to the scholarships that Mike Clement, Mike Bianco, and Carl Lafferty have to work with overall. Like you're going to get this whole crop back, but you got a new class coming in. I think a reasonable solution, and this has been actually proposed before all of this, um, is that seniors can be on full scholarship and it not count against your 11.7. I think that's a possibility coming up this year is that any senior you have on your roster um, gets a full ride. It doesn't count against your 11.7 because that, that, that way you're, able to get the freshmen in they have their scholarship numbers because truthfully if you're Ole Miss technically you you can't just trust that all juniors are going to leave you know right so you you have to be banking on using a good portion of the money you're giving your freshmen is from losing your seniors so I think that's something that they could look at happening they're going to expand roster sizes they have to um, I think that's how they go about it if you made me guess if Doug Nikhazy says oh I'm good I want to be listed as a junior can he be listed as one I don't know the answer to that question, but it doesn't really matter. He can go to the draft after next year, however he's listed, you know? So I don't think it technically would matter. That's the criminal part of all of this. Those two guys were already proving to be one of the best one-two combos in the country. And I think they will be next year because you look at guys like uh, Asa Lace, he's going to be gone. Tanner Burns is going to be gone. Emerson Hancock's going to be gone. Um, so if you look at guys like that, and, you know, I think they will be next year, but you – you have that year of development that you just don't get. And I expect both guys, um, I don't expect them to play baseball for Ole Miss in 2022. Um, I never did. So, and I still think that's the case. So yeah, you're, you're definitely robbed of a season of them. Um, it just is what it is. I think Gunnar Hoagland's a top 10 to 15 pick in 2021. So I don't, I don't think you're going to get this season back from that perspective for those guys. Oh man. It is big, though, because you're going to probably get back Kel Baker and Hayden Leatherwood, and those two guys would yep. be huge for you. And Tim Elko, too. You know, Tim Elko mm-hmm. could be another guy that comes back. I don't know. I don't know what Tim will do, but, yeah, that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That, I, that's something you I, and I, I talked about. You brought it up, um, I think it was on Friday, if they were going to do that or not, the NCAA allowed these guys to get another year of eligibility. It was the right move to make. It's the only move they could have made. Absolutely, because you can't rob guys for letting them play 17 games. Man, that's not fair. Um, I think a guy like Tim Elko is definitely back. I mean, he's still a junior and he he had a great, you know, 17 games. He's going to come back and I think play extremely well and play himself into a top 10 round pick. Um, now his age probably gets a little concerning at that point, I guess, but 
man, if he hits like he did the first 17 games this year, next year, um, he's a guy that's going to get drafted and he's going to have leverage. Uh, Leatherwood was always going to be a guy that you worried about draft wise. If he continued to hit like this, I'm not sure what I read into Baker's draft stock. I did read that from someone who had him at the top seven or eight first baseman in the, in the major league draft baseball. Uh, America. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I didn't see that, but again, I'm not a scout. So, um, yeah, you're going to get him back. So look, this team outside of Keenan and Servideo, um, and maybe a Taylor Broadway is going to look pretty much the same. Golly, that changes your whole perspective on it, doesn't it? Yeah, but here's but here's the thing, and, and you're right, it does. Um, but okay, Ole Miss signed a really good uh, class, and you have not a really good class, but they they have some top heavy guys. They couldn't go deep because they don't have the scholarship money to do it. Um, but man, they they signed three guys that. I think could be draft risk. Are those guys going to be draft risk now? Because let's just keep this real. Colleges aren't playing. I highly doubt there's going to be much high school baseball either. So there's not much scouting you can do on these high school seniors. Yeah, that's something too. The class you're bringing in, you probably had a few guys targeted to play particular positions when you lost maybe a Hayden Leatherwood or Tim Elko guys that you said, okay, if they Mm -hmm. do what we need them to do, they're going to play so well, they're going to play themselves into the draft. So now – what do you do? Do you encourage some guys in basketball, for example? Franco Miller transfers. That was a mutual decision. Ole Miss didn't yeah. want Franco back. Franco wanted to go play somewhere. He leaves. In baseball, will they do that? And I don't want to pick any particular players. That wouldn't be fair. But just say Ben Garrett, third baseman, finally does what Ole Miss baseball needs him to do. But they had somebody penciled in to come in and take over my spot. Is Mike Clement, Mike Bianco, mm. Carl Lafter, they're going to encourage that person, hey, man, your draft stock's probably as high as it'll ever be. Go, go, go. Might have to. Thin the hurt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you just don't know what roster lot sizes are going to be. I don't I don't necessarily think they're going to do that for uh, this year because you just don't know what roster size are going to be. So if you tell me that, hey, the roster is going to be the same size, then, yeah, I think they kind of have to, right? But if not, then, you know, I think if they can expand rosters, I don't think from a monetary standpoint, uh, the University of Mississippi will have much problem funding baseball scholarships for seniors. Um, so I, I think it's just, I think it's too early to say from that perspective, you know, I, I just, we don't know what next season is going to look like from a scholarships and a rosters perspective. I bet you they give them like 50 scholarship players, man. If they let them do that, well, just not scholarship, but just 50 players, you know, they, they don't have 35 yeah, yeah, scholarship, yeah. just 50 players. Somebody made a good point and, and look, this sucks. What everyone's having to go through. Is this the start of giving college baseball more scholarships? It should be. This could be the start of it because this isn't a one-year fix, right? This is a fix that's going to have to take two to three years. So I think this could be the start of getting away from 11.7 in college baseball. Is this the beginning of the end for the NCAA? Because I know there are a lot of ADs in the SEC that were really pissed off that the NCAA unilaterally canceled the College Baseball World Series so far out. And it makes you wonder, okay, if they make that decision, that's before the SEC made a decision on anything. I think even on its own tournament, they were pissed off. I wonder if these 80s don't get together and go, what are we doing? Why do we still adhere to this archaic system underneath um, the NCAA that doesn't even gauge our opinion or get our opinion on this? Rather, they just make the decisions based on what they think is right, not what all of us, all the members think is right. Yeah, no, it's that's certainly a good point. There's a lot of things that could stem off of this, and I think uh, branching off from the NCAA is certainly one of them. Yeah, they, you could tell Greg Sankey. I mean, technically, the SEC still has not canceled baseball. Um, now, they're not going to play. It's not going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, they, there, there was some hurt feelings, to put it lightly, when they just called off the World Series without anybody's input or anybody's uh, – you know, decision-making being taken into consideration. So, yeah, tough situation there, but I think you're right. I think we could look into a situation where the SEC is not part of the NCAA in 10 to 15 years because of this. The NBA, gone. Major League Baseball, not going to start till what, June, maybe July? Mm-hmm. What do you do? What have you been doing to fill your time? I, I went and watched my high school play baseball yesterday, and I read some books. That sounds horrible. It was. It was. Uh, I played some PlayStation 2. But other than that, nothing, man. Uh, watching some Chicago PD. I need to find something on Netflix to watch. I can give you suggestions on that. But what I found myself okay. doing is I've got MLB The Show 2020. I bought it early. I always do. It's the same game as 19 and 18 pretty much. 
um, some different features that are pretty cool. But I got bored with it pretty quickly, and I found myself setting up a game between first the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, but then the Braves and the Nats, and then the Braves and I think the Astros. And all you would do is set up the teams, not put your controller on one side, and watch a game. And I did that three times, three times. The Astros-Braves game was great because the Braves, I mean, they were beating the crap out of them. It was awesome. Of course they fell behind three to nothing to the Nationals in the second inning, and I wanted to kill myself. But that's what I've been doing with no sports. I've been setting up my own alternate reality. I saw a Twitter poll that I thought you would appreciate. Would, uh, if you could bring all sports back right now, but your uh, MLB team couldn't win the World Series for 10 years, would you do it? Yes. Yeah, I think a little uh, too. I'm used to the Braves not winning the World Series, buddy. It's been <laughs> well you, over you, 20 years now. I'm, I'm used to I that. Figure it out. <laughs> I'll be okay. Oh, so my life will just be the same? Yes. <laughs> And they'll still you give me plenty make- of time. You know, I'll be 44. Maybe they'll win one in my lifetime. I'm not going to, you know, count on it, but still I'll hope. Yeah, my life will be the same. I'm a Cowboys fan, a Braves fan. Just hasn't been very good. Hadn't been very good at all. The NFL, they're going to start their league year on time. They're going to do NFL free agency. I promise you, all of us, the most engaged in NFL free agency as we've ever been ever for anything. Look, I bet you betting markets look, are going to go nuts I, for NFL free agency in some way. By the way, you can uh, you can bet on the weather. I found that out the other day. Anyway, um, I know that you can't do this, but you have to think if you're Rob Manfred and like when everybody started canceling, dude was like, I don't know, man, if I play some baseball, I'm probably going to get ridiculous numbers. You know he had to want to play so badly in this. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And he started trying to convince himself and rationalize it like, okay, <laughs> now baseball – for the most part, it's open air, and he probably did all that, just no fans, and just let the air circulate if coronavirus is passed around the teams. That's okay, team personnel. But the money would have been nuts. It, it reminded me of when I went and studied abroad right after high school and yeah. uh, went with a small group from Ripley. It was a few of us from New Albany and went a Ripley group. We went to London and uh, Scotland, and one night we had this hotel room where we all got our own rooms. It was great. But I was so desperate because remember, this was well before the times of smartphones and stuff where you could watch everything mm-hmm. on your phone. We had those like the snake phones. Remember, and what I mean by the snake phones is yeah. the game snake on your phone. That was like the coolest thing about your phone. Nokia brick. Yes. <laughs> and I might have had at that point uh, one of the flip razor phones. Yeah. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I was so desperate to watch an American sporting event. That one night, and we had to get up the next morning, like six in the morning, to get on the bus and leave. Did not care. I watched the uh, San Francisco Giants and the Colorado Rockies every single inning. For some reason, it was broadcasting in this hotel room in London, and I was like, screw it. I'm watching it. Watched the whole thing. Maybe got two hours of sleep that night. Did not care. It was wonderful. And I keep thinking, what event, what sporting event would I do that? I'd do that for any sport right now. I would give it yeah. for any sport. It doesn't matter. I would do it. I would watch it from beginning to end. You could give me the most boring thing usually, and I would think it was riveting and wonderful. I, I just, I need them back, man. I need them back. <laughs> you put Tigers White Sox at 12 o'clock on a like rainy Chicago afternoon, buddy. I'm all in, locked in. <sighs> I need them back, man. I can't do this anymore. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Going out of the Modern Woman phone line to speak to former Ole Miss head football coach Hugh Freeze. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is powered by Modern Woman in B&A Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. 
Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, Liberty Head Coach, former Ole Miss Head Coach, Hugh Freeze. Hugh, how you doing, man? It's been a while. I'm good, Ben. How are you doing, friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. You're back at it. I mean, last year, your first year back coaching, kind of what's the update? What did you miss about coaching that you didn't realize you'd miss while sitting out? The relationships, you know, the kids, the the coaches, the grind of it, uh, the competitiveness on Saturdays. That was truthfully, you know, the, the two years I stayed in Oxford that, that I was not involved uh, with teams. I did some consulting, but I wasn't and to really involved in the, the competitions on Saturday, that's really what I missed the most. There was there was other things that I really didn't miss a lot. You know, it tells you a lot about what's uh, what you do like about the profession and what you don't, but it's certainly good to, to be back in it. Those two years in Oxford, did you just play a lot of golf? What'd you do? I did. I played a lot of golf, did some consulting work, Jill and I did some speaking and um I consulted with some different uh, teams, and that kind of kind of kept me in the college game. But uh, um, but was really a lot of uh, downtime until you know Rick Newhouse hired me at the uh, Arizona Hot Shots, and then I started working you know with him on that plan. And before the uh, the opportunity came to come to Liberty, when you're watching your team, the team and program that you built, and a lot of your coaches coaching on the sidelines, that's got to be a very strange experience and out-of-body experience was it kind of like that for you very very difficult um it was hard for me to watch you know Ole Miss play um just just because of you know the amount of time and effort you put into building you know the the the, the program and you know us coming in with it being down and not having won a lot of games and then trying to build it to where it's competitive and felt like we had done that and and you know, and those are you know a lot of my guys there, and Matt Luke, who I love dearly, is uh, you know, and you, you find yourself just—it's just tough. It was very, very difficult for me to watch, you know, them play. Knowing that that's your team, knowing that that's your program, and given everything that happened, how do you want to be remembered as Ole Miss head coach? How do you want Ole Miss fans to remember you when you look back? Because you had two years to think about that kind of answer, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really—I guess. Heck, are we going on four years now? Yeah, man. Three and a half, a four now. years yeah. of uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, well, hopefully in time, you know, the, they'll remember the good times. Uh, certainly, the the great memories we had of of winning some big big games and being very competitive and a Sugar Bowl win. And uh, at the same time, it would be you know foolish for me to think that some will not uh, choose to to overshadow those those victories with uh, the way it ended and. And I recognize that. I think time helps move everybody on, but but certainly that will be a part of it. But you, you just hope that you, I guess I hope, and it's a selfish hope, that uh, that they'll balance both, you know, the, the good and the bad. And um, certainly it's not the way that, that I would have written the ending, um, but uh, we certainly had some good good fun times there. What was the biggest misstep when you started thinking back to it and how it all kind of unfolded there at the end? Was it sending out the tweet or was it the Mike Sheridan one-on-one? Yeah. I mean, what was the real big thing that you go, that that's where it started to turn? Man, I don't know. I, I don't know that you can say that it was, uh, you know, there's certainly when you look back at life in general and and, and obviously in this situation, there's there's things that you would do differently and 
Um, but I do think uh, I'll, I'll always stand that um, I don't know that I get credit for it and don't know that, that anyone ever will. And But but I was a fighter for, for our program, uh, you know, and believed in the people. And certainly there were things, obviously, that weren't done exactly right. But felt like, uh, you know, while all that was going on, that somebody had to fight uh, for for our program. And, and I know that I did that, and I think I did it in the right way. And um, But, you know, it's hard to say, you know, if you're talking about just the NCAA stuff, obviously uh, the personal failing that, that I had that Jill and I walked through way back when, uh, which – you know, I would obviously do that differently, but uh, but certainly thought that was between her and I and that we had handled it and, and moved on. The thing that I'm kind of bringing up is um, everyone's heard the one-on-one with Mike Sheridan, what went wrong. It's been so long now. All the parties are gone. I mean, we're the only people left here, us yeah. media people that you saw every day and then all these fans. And you hear about these instances like that meeting and you don't know really what happened. How bad did it get? Because I heard that once that meeting was over and y'all went your separate ways, both sides were dug in and just ready to go at the throat of the other one. I, I don't know. I think it was it was certainly, uh, you know, they, they felt like they had uh, facts that proved a narrative for them. And, and certainly we fought for our side, or at least I did, and, and some others did also. But And so it was it was always going to be we don't we don't see eye to eye. And uh, but ultimately they have the final say and we have to be accountable. And I was the head coach and have to be accountable for everything that went on in the program. And certainly uh, they found in, in their judgment that there were things that uh, that uh, were not done properly and that I did not monitor properly. And, you know, whether I agree with all of them or not, it really doesn't matter at this point. Um, they, they ultimately have the final say, but I was certainly not going to you know, go, go down that road without me trying to, you know, say, well, you know, you have, have a fact that proves a narrative. I have some facts that prove we did it the other way, but you know, the ultimate, ultimately I, I was responsible as the head coach for that. And, and certainly I think that, that Ole Miss has paid more than it's, uh, than, than it's fair share of penalties for that. And certainly hope we can, they can just move on and, and, um, and get back to competing in the SEC West. When did you know that the NCAA stuff was going to be bad? Was there like a moment in all of it where you realized it was worse than maybe you originally anticipated? Yeah, you know that I never thought it was going to be real bad. You know, as we as we walked through it, because I just believed in how we were doing things, and uh, then when you start getting, um, you know, those. Um, those um notice of allegations then you start thinking man this is this they could they could obviously do things that hurt our our program here and our success and it's not a fun feeling i don't ever want to walk down that road again i tell our coaches here all the time and some of which were with me there and you know maurice and ben and bruce and um i just i say man uh, you never want to go down that road you just can't win it even if even if you have right on your side, it's hard to win once the uh, once it goes down that road and, and everyone assumes that you have something coming. It's just very difficult to recruit. It's very difficult to continue building. And you just don't want to go down that road. And there's really no reason to just do the right things all the time and, and don't do anything that's going to you know bring bring their investigation upon you. You're right. And in knowing that, why even pay attention to Twitter? I mean, yeah. at some point, don't you just have to block it out and go, look, there's just people that aren't going to like me? There's no doubt. I mean, I, mean, I wish I could go back and do a hundred things uh, over, one of which, you know, you're, I'm at a point now, I really don't even, my assistant really runs my Twitter now. And I, don't, I, I just, it certainly is, uh, you know, I think you get to that point and you just want to, you know, you want people to know you for who you really are. And certainly there's, I've always said there's as imperfect as, as I am, you know, I think there's uh there's things I wish people knew about me that they don't, they never will. And certainly I've given them the reason to, to think whatever they want, but there's no question that uh, seeking the, the approval of men is, is a dead end road that, that leads to nowhere. 
Yeah, there's no way that uh, you're going to please everybody. Because, I mean, you and I had our differences of opinion about things I wrote or tweets or whatever, and it always used to yeah. baffle me. I was like, I don't know why Hugh cares about this, right, rather than care about yeah. just lost at Florida. Right. That never made any sense to me. Uh, certainly, certainly shouldn't have had, and um, you know, but uh, that, that's a flaw that uh, that I've had to deal with, and and I think I'm in a good spot with that now. But uh, wish wish that uh, I was at that point, and um, you know, it's not uh, it wasn't wasn't a good thing for us, and certainly hurt us. One thing that I always found interesting is when you mentioned one time that um, you got wrapped up in the celebrity of it all. What do you mean by getting wrapped up in the celebrity of it? What was so intoxicating to you i guess yeah i think well i mean you're, you're talking about a mississippi guy who loves that state dearly and is from there and um was able to come back and and make uh um, help build a program that was respectable and competitive and really uh you know ha- have we not won any games i don't know that we'd be having all these conversations but you know we we had some success there and man you know, when, when you come from, I went from high school to that, to that post in a short seven years. And I think all of us struggle with, uh, I don't know if all of us, but I certainly struggled with the, the idol of, uh, comfort and status and, and pride. And, um, and some of it was good pride, but some of it was bad pride. And, and I think obviously I had to battle with both of those things. And, and certainly wish I could do some things differently and wish I felt, you know, differently at the time. But, uh, that is the truth that, uh, that I think the idol of pride of, of taking the, the Ole Miss program and make it competitive and playing in the two, two, you know, new year, six games and winning a sugar bowl. I mean, the how me standing on that sideline with Archie Manning and my father, I, I mean, I could never, you know, duplicate that feeling again. Um, and knowing that, uh, you know, I let people down in my my home state that I love and miss dearly, you know, that's something I'll have to battle with the rest of my life uh, because of, of all the battles that the success that came and and the pride that came with it. You know, that was that's difficult to have to live with, but it's something my wife and kids and I have uh, talked openly about. And, you know, hopefully we'll never go down that road again. Which criticisms of your personal professional failures at Ole Miss do you think are fair, and which ones have you had to kind of consistently battle against, if that makes any sense? Well, I think, you know, if I had time to think about that, I could probably give you a more accurate answer. I mean, I think that, um, one, that uh, the, the the people that uh, – an individual, and I never will. That's not something that, that I want to go down, but – a road I would ever go down. That's not a temptation of mine, but, but ultimately I'm responsible. And, and I own that I was responsible for everybody in the building and the boosters and everybody around me. Um, but, you know, so I think, you know, sometimes that, that really, you know, bothers me if people believe that, that that's something that I would be involved in. That's not uh, something that I am, you know, however, you know, obviously I had a personal failing with a struggle that, that, that I had. And, you know, I stepped outside the bounds of being, of honoring my wife and my faith and, you know, and then the people that say that my faith is not real, that, that troubles me. I hate that. I, I wish they knew that, uh, it's ever bit as real as, as my failure was, but that those are the two things probably that, that, uh, that, that bother me the most, uh, that I hear the criticism from, but it's, uh, obviously, have given them reason to to form that opinion, and uh, you know they're entitled to that. We've talked about it off the record before, but other than fourth and twenty five, um, I think the play that mm. second, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, because look, y'all y'all don't <laughs> get that happen. Y'all are going and beating Florida, and then you're going to the playoff, and who knows what happens? I don't, let's not go there. But yeah. I think uh, the play that is at least looked at a lot is the LSU game in two thousand and fourteen. I had Bo on man, a couple of months ago, and he went through the play for him yeah. and how it played out. You had the field goal unit on, you bought him off. What went into it for you? And I know that you and Bo both had similar views of it, but just what was your vantage point of that play in particular? Well, that's a tough one. You know, you, you're, you're on the right hash, and, you know, I know Wonderlick likes the left hash a lot better. And, you know, the whole goal was just, you know, let's try to get it to the left hash. And, 
and try to, uh, if we can get a few more yards, if my memory serves me correct, it was 45-ish um, from the right hash. And if we can get another five, six yards, it, uh, it obviously, the percentages go up of making it. And, you know, I did a poor job of instructing Bo exactly what to do on that play. And, you know, the ball should have either went out of bounds or straight to Laquan on the sideline if, if they gave us that throw. But certainly shouldn't have uh, gone where it did. And, and, you know, ultimately that's that's my job to, to coach him that way and to, to make him right. I think Bo Wallace is maybe the most important recruit we had mm. in my five years because mm. we, we, we never would have gone to a bowl game in year one without Bo. And, um, you know, I certainly have got it. I just should have coached him better in that scenario, but it certainly wasn't uh, the way we, 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 we thought it would work out. Obviously, Ole Miss is a tougher job than um, other programs in the SEC West. With the success you had during your time, do you think it's possible to win consistently at a high level at Ole Miss? Uh, I do. I obviously felt that and um, believe that it has to be the right fit for Oxford, Mississippi. And, you know, that's that's a unique place. It's unique people, the great people of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I think it's just got to be the right fit and, and certainly the right type of system. You know, I think we had the right system offensively and defensively. We were pretty good for the first three years and then, you know, not so good the, the last two years. But I think that's that's going to be a struggle at uh, at a place where you're probably never going to have the depth charts of the Alabama, Auburn, LSU, you know, side of the uh, of the SEC East. You know, that I mean, SEC West. That's just going to be it's going to be difficult to ever totally close the the gap on you know on those on those guys. Not that you can't beat them, and we did. We beat all of them at least twice, but. It certainly is an uh, A and M. Add them to it. You know those those four. You're never going to close the gap on them budgetarily or roster wise. It doesn't mean you can't beat them, but it certainly you you've got to have the right fit uh, that relates to the kids that are going to play at Ole Miss and to the people there to generate excitement. I bring it up because obviously Lane Kiff is the head coach now. You were spotted a couple of months ago with him at Downtown Grill. You giving him pointers, you? I mean, you giving him advice? What what was going on there? <laughs> I don't. I don't need to get. I don't need to get Lane any pointers. Uh, he, he knows plenty of football, and um, you know he just wanted to visit. Uh, he saw that I was in town. I was checking on my house there, and um, I like Lane. We we've we've always had a good friendship, and uh, I think he's a heck of a football coach. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best there at Ole Miss. I love those people there and uh, love the place, always will, always have, and certainly hope uh, that they have great success. And if, if I think Lane certainly knows the football there and is he the right fit for Ole Miss, man, only you guys can, can really decide that in time. If you could give him a piece of advice, if he asked you, what would it be in terms of how to win here, how to win at Ole Miss? It's unique. Well, yeah, I think you've got to win. You know, you've got to win in the state first um, in recruiting, and then you got to get a few difference makers from outside the state. But uh, uh, you you've got to win that state, and that's not the easiest thing against Mississippi State and Alabama and LSU, who all come in there. Uh, and there are good players in the state of Mississippi, and boy, if Ole Miss could ever, or Mississippi State, if they could ever dominate. Um, that that recruiting scene for a period of two or three years in a row, I, I think you'd find them competing to, to go to Atlanta. I know it's a little ways away, um, 18 months too early, but what are your thoughts about bringing Liberty to Ole Miss in 2021 um, and the reception you might get? Have you thought about that? You know, I really haven't. Um, that's that's a long time away, and certainly that would be great for to see my family and friends and I still have tons of friends in Oxford and, and the area there that uh, are dear to me and, and love me for who I am and good and bad and uh, my wife's parents are there my wife's friends are there our church is awesome there so uh, we miss all of those people so it'll be a chance for us to see them you know and that'll be a tall task for us to go in there and, and play an SEC team but you know, I love what's going on at Liberty. I love the the people here have been incredible to me and my family and wife and the vision that they've uh, that they have here for football and the resources they're putting behind it. I just couldn't be more thrilled with with what's going on. I miss being at home uh, in the South uh, sometimes, but uh, as far as 
uh, everything that, that's here, the kids here have been incredible for us to go to a bowl game in year one and win it was, was pretty special and rewarding. And uh, But coming back there, I'm sure I'll have a lot of mixed emotions and no idea the the reception. It's hard to ever judge what really what what the percentage of people are that really say, "Man, we're we're thankful for what he did while he was here," as opposed to the the, the sorry dude, you know, hurt us. You know, I I have no idea how to judge that. For you, what do you aspire to? Do you see a path back to the SEC? Because there were some rumors out there in the off season that particular schools wanted you as offensive coordinator. Maybe the SEC, Greg Sankey, squashed it. Do you want to get back to the SEC at some point? What do you aspire for now as a coach? You know, I, I really uh, – I'm so content. Uh, my mom and dad were here at, uh, in Liberty not too long ago, and my mom just said, Hugh, I've never seen you – well, not never, but I haven't seen you in the last few years as a, in, uh, having as much peace as you have right now. And I think she's right, and um, I did have plenty of opportunities to go be offensive coordinator in, in some really good schools. And um, but I, I want to be a head coach, and and I love what we're doing here. And does that mean that one day that leads to something else? I have no idea, and I really don't get caught up in it. I'm I'm 50 years old now, Ben, and truthfully, I, I don't know that I want to do this, uh, you know, over another seven to ten years. And, um, you know, if, if something comes where it's an opportunity where I think that uh, we can win at a high level and it's the right fit for us, certainly you'll entertain those. And I've had some of those come my way, but uh, Liberty is just the right fit for me right now. And we've built a house up on the mountain. and um, Just uh, my, my kids love it here and I want to see them graduate. So I'm really content with, with exactly what, uh, I have right now other than missing home you know from time to time but um, so it's hard to say what what the future holds but uh, really excited about what we have going on here well last one the coronavirus has kind of stopped the world in its tracks and sports aren't immune Mm -hmm. with no spring football in-person recruiting off the table how do you anticipate adjusting as all coaches are going to have to Man, it's, it's an eye-opener. Honestly, my wife just sent me to Walmart to, to get a few things before we, we head out for spring yeah, break. toilet and, paper, water, you know, bread, you know, do the whole Mississippi thing. Yeah. Man, I was watching people, Ben, and it's kind of sad. You know, it's <laughs> just uh, I think people are really, uh, really, really, and fear has has, uh, has set in on a lot of people, and maybe that should be – the scenario for everyone, I don't know, but uh, I, I really don't want to operate that way in my life. And I told our players Friday before we broke for spring break that men be smart, be wise, do these things that that certainly are, are protocols to try to help you prevent you getting some type of virus. But it's no question it's uh, in my lifetime, nothing has changed the normality of life as much as I've experienced uh, through this, this, uh, this issue that we're going through as a nation right now, as a world really. And, and so it's real. And, and, um, I hate it for so many people. I saw where, um, I mean, some States have shut down all bars and restaurants and men just think about all the families that, that, that is their living. That's their livelihood. And, and I know that it's a scary, scary time for everyone. And, uh, you know, we get so wrapped up in sport all the time and, and football and, and how much we love it. And, but man, this is an eye opener that uh, man, we should we should really spend time loving one another and and helping each other through these difficult times. But hopefully, it's uh it's it's going to pass quickly. But it certainly has changed our dynamic as as how you approach whether it be spring football or recruiting or any of those things which are very insignificant in the big scope of things. And uh, that's what I hope we really learn through all of this. He's Liberty head coach, former Ole Miss head coach. Hugh Freeze, I'm glad we did this. Honestly, I'm glad we did it, man. And I appreciate you coming on. Me too. And um, best of luck to you. I wish nothing but the best for you. And let's talk again. Man, I wish you guys the best there also. That was Hugh Freeze, former Ole Miss head coach, now at Liberty. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister coming back in just a second. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers, 
Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies. Stuffy nose. Cough. Sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-thru, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Back with me now is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. That was Hugh Freeze. That was Colin's doing. He said, Ben, in these times in which we don't have sports, Ole Miss fans, they want to hear from a Hugh Freeze. That would get you some clicks, some listens. He was right. I'm glad we did it. I am. I'm glad we did it. Didn't get too much from it, but he does sound a little bit different. And you and I have talked about this before. Say what you want about Hugh Freeze. Ole Miss football, when it was going well under Hugh Freeze, was the best and most relevant it had been in forever. In the modern era, the best run of football Ole Miss has had. Absolutely. Uh, 2014 or 2012, 2016, man. Oh, look, 2016, they weren't even good. And you, I mean, I was, I still went to uh, Baton Rouge and Arkansas because I thought, you know, it was extremely fun to go watch Ole Miss play and that they could win any game that they stepped on the field for. And, you know, that's the thing when, when freeze was there outside of the 2012 year, anytime they took the field, man, you thought they could win. I thought the day they beat Alabama and Oxford, I thought Ole Miss could beat Alabama. I hadn't felt like that since 2014, 2015, and I guess 16 to an extent. Um, I'd never felt like that before in my life since Eli had been there. Um, so it, it, it was just fun to to be an Ole Miss fan. You look around, I mean, the, the baseball team's going to the College World Series. AK got to the dance two years in, or, or two out of three years. It was 2012 to 2016 was when I was a student, man, and uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I can't even lie totally different from what Ole Miss fans were used to. And the thing that really stuck out to me, and you're right, about going into every game thinking Ole Miss could win, but it was a little bit more than that. It was finally feeling like, as an Ole Miss fan, you belonged. You always saw Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, those teams that are always there. Their fans, they get to experience these unbelievable experiences. The Access Bowls every single year, the National Championship Games, even LSU, they've gotten to experience that. And as an Ole Miss fan, you finally felt like, okay, this is our moment. I put all my blood, sweat, and tears into this program, and they've hurt me so many times. But now, now, we are one of them. And Ole Miss was, and Mississippi State was. Those two programs were in the national spotlight. They were nationally relevant. Both of them, top five teams at one point. And it shows you what these two programs could be. And Hugh Freeze brought it up. If one school, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, could dominate in-state recruiting for two, three years, you could really make some noise in college football, and that's what he tried to do. Now, he got away from it later on in his Ole Miss career. He went a little too heavy star chasing, but up until that point, he'd done a tremendous job of locking down Mississippi, but also taking Ole Miss recruiting nationally like Ed Orgeron did and like Lane Kiffin's going to try to do. So, yeah, just getting that feeling back of going into games knowing that you can win and also feeling like a big-time program. And that's what Ole Miss fans want. And that's why I think that there's no longer going to be any patience just waiting around for a coach to get it done. Lane Kiffin's a big swing by Keith Carter. Ole Miss fans want that. And that's why you're already hearing people talk about Kermit Davis needs to feel the fire a little bit. They don't have any patience. They just <laughs> want to see Ole Miss be nationally relevant. That's all. They want to see Ole Miss go into games and be among the elite again. And it's hard once you get that taste to have it ripped out of your hands and be told, no, no, you can't have that anymore. 
the Alabama experience is one of the coolest things. Um, but you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you kind of want to experience that every week now, right? Cause, uh, it's an intoxicating feeling. And, and so look, it, it was one of the best modern eras of Ole Miss football history. I can't remember the exact amount of wins they had, but you look back on it from 2012 to 2015, they, uh, they beat LSU twice. They beat Mississippi state, uh, three out of four times. You go to the sugar bowl, you go to the peach bowl, man. It was, uh, Every time, like, and I know I said this earlier, but every time they took the field, you thought they could win. And there's going to be five games next year where I, you know, I don't miss is going to take the field. And I just, my hope is they have a chance in the fourth quarter. Um, so it's, it's just a different feel and a different mood, you know, and, and look, there's a lot of reasons for that. The NCAA, um, not recruiting linebackers, ETC, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of the more fun times to be an Ole Miss fan. I was, I've been an Ole Miss fan for 26 years and, and those four years from an all sports perspective, I mean, uh, basketball, baseball, football, even softball to an extent. Um, it, it, it was a fun time to be a student and, man, you kind of just kind of hope that uh, Ole Miss can get back to that level at some point. And I think they can. I mean, you look at basketball, yeah, they have a tough year this year. Um, but I, I think, you know, most people still believe in Kermit Davis's ability to coach basketball. Uh, have your opinion on Mike Bianco, whatever. He is a very good baseball coach. And, you know, I, I, look, I've had my criticisms of Mike. I'm not going to say a lot to you. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we can all say that Mike Bianco is a very good baseball coach. And we'll see on Lane Kiffin. If, if I had to guess, I think it works. We'll see. It could also be a colossal failure, but I do think that Ole Miss can get back to that level with with some competent leadership and and, and going about things the way they need to. If you had to guess, what does Keith do about Mike Bianco's contract? That's man, that's fascinating to me, and I think I came to the the resolution that he's just going to push it back to three years because I think if I'm Keith Carter, now look if if I were making the decisions and I'm not saying that what I'm doing is right or wrong, I would have never had this situation because I'd just put it at four. Um, but if you're Keith, how can you in one breath say, I'm not going to extend your contract for work, not winning a super regional game three. And then you push it back out to four years for not doing anything in the postseason. You look really weak. If you do that, um, just coming from my perspective, if you, if you say that the reason is you, you didn't win in the postseason, that's why I'm not extending you. And that is what he said. How can you then extend him when he doesn't win in the postseason? So I think Keith's kind of put himself in between a rock and a hard place, right? Uh, yeah, he could have never seen this coming, but right, obviously, this yeah, is the only fault. thing you can do is effectively what the NCAA is doing for college baseball players, saying you have an extra year of eligibility. And for Keith, that says reset back to where it was at least. But I would do a good faith thing, and give him one more year at least. You can't push it. You can't leave it at. So it's either got to be three or four. And if I'm Keith, I put it at three. But if I were doing this, I would have put it at four and then I'd push it back to four. I don't think it's an overly big deal, though, right now with all of this. I'll be honest. I, I don't either. I just think that, and I've said it before, that if he's not your coach, you fire him. If he is your coach, you extend him, period. Let me let me ask you this. Is there any reason – you, you think Kermit's contract's getting rolled over, right? It should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do wonder how Mike takes that just from a, you know, I mean, if I'm Bianco and I don't win a super regional and you don't roll me over, but you roll over the guy that went six and 12 or whatever, I can be, I can understand five being a little upset. And he should be sure. Yeah, I That's part that. of it. Again, it goes back to the whole argument of if he is your coach, roll him over. If he isn't, you fire him. There's no in between. And at the time, um, I think I got and respected and understood the decision. I still respect the decision. I, I get where he was going. He was threading a very thin needle. And for Keith, he was an interim and he was making a particular move. I think if he could have it back, though, he'd take it back. Half measures don't work. It only has to be one or the other. And if it isn't one or the other, you're just going to make a mess of it. And all these different things come about, like what you're mentioning, in terms of, oh, well, Kermit went 6-12 and 12, and you're rolling him over. What the hell? I've never had a 6-12. and 12. Um, no, so I, I agree with yeah. that. And, and coaches can use that and they will use that. So this team with almost baseball, they were 16 and one, maybe who's to say they don't go and win the sec West. Who's to say they don't go to Omaha. Who's to say those things don't happen. And had they have happened, what would that have been? What would the contract negotiations have been like at that point? Is Mike Ooh. walking in there and just slapping his nuts on the table and saying, Hey, <laughs> I mean, what do you do then? Yeah. If you're Keith, all right, well, let's play this out a little bit. If you're Keith and you see what this team did at that point to avoid that, do you do you maybe just push it to four years then? 
I would just go to four years and be done with it. If he's your coach, you extend him out. If he's not, you fire him. That's it. You go. I th- if I'm Keith, I go to four years and I say I made a mistake. Yeah, I was like, short-sighted. I, I, I was the interim. I was trying to walk the line as best I could. No, this is what it needs to be. And Mike would accept that. He would. I think sure. the one thing that probably didn't sit well with him, I don't think there was a lot of communication about it. There was none. I was trying to be generous, but yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest issue. It's like Mike has known Keith, and he's been such a part of Ole Miss for 20 years. I've done so much, and this is it. This is how I'm treated. And I don't blame him for feeling that way. Honestly, don't. Sure. I would feel no, the same way, too, because if you put so much into it and the return is that they, they would at least have the courtesy to say, look, Mike, this is what we're doing, and they didn't. They just announced it publicly, and that doesn't sit well with anybody. And so I think if you're Keith, you look at it and say, I can get out in front of this situation, and all I got to do is say, I made a mistake. And, buddy, Keith's got enough capital right now. People would be like, you know what, that's fine. Any big deal. Yeah, yeah, no one's going to care. It just sucks, man. This team, it felt like an Omaha team. But Franco Miller's transferring outs. Now Ole Miss is full because they needed one scholarship for Matthew Morrell. Brian Tyree's scholarship went to Jarkel Joyner. It was promised to him to sit out and pay his own way for the first fall semester. And then in the spring, get put on scholarship. And now he's being put on scholarship in place of Bree. If they add anybody else in the spring, they're going to have to open up even more room. Carlos Curry comes to mind. Um, and Tavian Collum. A Bryce Williams. Let me ask this real quick. Um, the NCAA has not ruled on uh, winter sport athletes not getting not getting their year of eligibility back because there was no championship. So technically, Bree and Tyree could get another year of eligibility. It could happen. But would he take it? Now, that's a very good question. You would know more about that than me. Oh, man. I know Kirby now, Davis I would know. welcome him back with open arms, wouldn't oh, he? Yeah, yeah, you're... All SEC point guard, two guard. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know if it happens. I lean towards it doesn't, but they've not ruled it out. <sighs> well, you didn't get any conference tournaments. You didn't get March Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ole Miss's season ended. That's the thing for the teams whose seasons actually ended. Do they get to get their, some of their well, guys back too? Because Ole Miss's season ended Miss- before all this stuff happened. I don't know that they weren't going to make the CBI. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but technically they did not make the NCAA tournament because you don't know who did make it. That's true. I mean, I mean, you don't know. I mean, how many of these kids that were going to go to the draft would actually come back too? Not many, if any. Not many. No. no. Yeah, if you're the NCAA, that one's tough. That one's a lot tougher to me than baseball. Here's another one, Ben, nobody's talking about, and it Look, this isn't Mississippi State podcast. We're not going to talk about Mississippi State a lot, but I'm using them as an example because this happened a lot of places. Ben Allen didn't make the tournament. He's not the coach at Mississippi State next year. So how you know how does that athletic director go about that situation? Oh man, it's a mess. It's just such a mess, and I think that's why most around the country, the NCAA, college athletics directors, fans, you name it, they're just going to look at this year as a reset. Just, okay, it's yeah. like when you're playing in the middle of a game and you're getting beat, hit the reset button. Same thing for this one. Yeah, they played the games. You remember them. You saw them. But the only clean way to do it is to say, run it back. The problem with that is the incoming players mm-hmm. and how that affects your rosters. I don't think Brian would come back, even if he was able to come back, because I think he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. But even the idea that Ole Miss could have him back, could you imagine Brian Tyree, Jarkel Joyner backing him up, Devontae Shuler, Matthew Morrell backing him up. I mean, just think about it. <laughs> Certainly be a uh, crazy world there. Real well, just quick, a lot deeper. Uh, I mean, Brian had to play 40 minutes at a time for a handful yeah. stretch of games. Real quick, though, UAB's open, and our boy living in Birmingham. AK would take that job. They should probably offer it to him because he's a really good basketball coach. I need to get AK back on this podcast. He might have to do it. You might have to go through the UAB SID. Ole Miss Georgia was called by one Andy Kennedy. He called one of only two games in the SEC tournament this year. Nuts. <laughs> he got to do it in a T-shirt, too. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, they let him wear T-shirts. I'm sure that was part of, the best part of AK's day. Oh, yeah. AK only wants to wear suits when he has to. The rest of the time, T-shirt, gym shorts, Jordans. He's good. The thing you're most watching for at Ole Miss Sports this week is what? <laughs> oh, man. 
Like, what are you, what are you asking? I've asked you every single week. I'm just asking. <laughs> Zach Evans, that's my answer. I mean, my answer was going to be the next domino to drop in basketball or something. <laughs> uh, Tyler Keenan's draft decision in June. Yeah. <laughs> Sports are just gone. They aren't here. I want to get Anthony Servideo back on the podcast. That would be an interesting one. You got a lot of time. Just to ask him, hey, Anthony, okay, if you do get your junior year back, you coming back? <laughs> God, what a mess, though. Not just for coaches and ADs, but NCAA administrators. It's just, th- that's a mess. That's a mess. It's a, nightmare. it's a nightmare. Did Ole Miss beat LSU this weekend? Yeah, they won two out of three. Which one they lose? I think they're probably uh, probably lost on on Sunday. I think they probably lost on Sunday. I think I think Nikhazy would have shoved on on Friday because they was going to get LSU number two. I think Hugland would have wanted a pitcher duel on Saturday, and then I just think for some reason Ole Miss probably doesn't hit probably the way they should on Sunday and maybe get beat. My thanks to Hugh Freeze for coming on. Honestly, I'm glad he did. Apparently, he was on the Rebel Grove podcast too. Okay, I guess it was Hugh Freeze day. <laughs> But uh, my thanks to you, Freeze, for coming on. The former Ole Miss head coach, now the head coach at Liberty. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, leave a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Or write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a fleet of 247 Sports. Subscribe there. Subscribe to this podcast. Check out the sponsors. Keep my lights on because sports are gone. And I don't know what to do. Preach. Thanks, man. We'll talk about something on Thursday. Absolutely. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.